Welcome to the Market Muscles Podcast. Marketing insights and interviews with successful membership-based businesses in the health, wellness, and child activity center space. Learn their exact strategies on how they market and grow their companies with your host, Stephen Reinstein. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Market Muscles Podcast. Today's guest is the CEO and co-founder of Powerful Words. He's a marketing expert and coach, master martial arts instructor, and has been featured at the Martial Arts Super Show, Dance Teacher Summit, ASGA Conference, and many more events. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me, Stephen. Thrilled to be here. Awesome. So, you know, we've got a lot of stuff to unpack today just because, you know, as I was going through and, and you know, we just kind of formed this relationship recently, but... Uh, we've kind of circled around the the martial arts industry now for, I mean, you for much longer than I have, but me for the last five years or so. Um, you know, I'm so glad that finally we can connect. But as I was going through and, you know, doing some research and looking at your history, I mean, it's it was just so damn impressive, to be honest. So I'm, I'm really glad that we have an opportunity to to chat. Oh, well, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here and I, uh, I appreciate it. Awesome. So, um, you know, obviously you have a big background within the uh, kind of child activity center space. I'd love to hear kind of uh, how you got started in this industry. Um, by accident. Um, <laughs> all, all, all the best, uh, all the best plans are usually by accident, right? <laughs> we, um, you know, to, to be honest, I was a, um, I went to business school. I wound up as a bond trader for one of the very large firms up in Boston. Um, I was making a ton of money uh, at a very young age, and I hated every single minute of it. Um, I realized I had um, found a career and lost my soul both at the same time. So it was uh, it was really interesting. I had uh, found myself one evening, and this was I should back up. Um, you know, I, I I went to school. I did all the things that you know, you're kind of supposed to do back then. I, I went to school, went to business school, um, thought I was going to, you know, do the uh, chartered financial analyst thing and, and, and end up there for the rest of my life. And as it turned out, um, you know, I, I just wasn't happy. And I was, I was unhappy for a while. And then one night I found myself in a um, precarious situation. You know, basically I had clients in from New York City and found myself in a in a limousine filled with, uh, drugs and all sorts of other fun stuff. And I kind of looked at myself and said, um, I I don't want to do this. This is, this is not who I am. This is not who I want to be. How do I get out of here? And the limo let me out and called a taxi cab just to date myself. Um, got home and said to my wife, I'm like, "I, I, I can't do this anymore. And she's like, Oh, okay. Well, um, what do you want to do then? And it was so bizarre to me since like I had this very clear cut path that she was like, well, you know, I'm finishing my PhD. Um, you know, you love martial arts. You've been doing this forever. Um, have you ever thought about, you know, having your own school as opposed to just, you know, teaching where you teach, you could do that full time. And, you know, I can help on the child development side of things and we can make it a little bit more, more systematized in the personal development side than we've ever seen. You can do what you love and um, you can stop doing what you hate. So that kind of planted the seed. Went in the next day, told my boss, I gotta make a change. And luckily I was given the opportunity to take the time to hire and train a replacement for myself, which also gave me the opportunity to find, build out and open a facility. Um, and, uh, that was really where it started, started really just as an owner operator, um, made every possible mistake one could make. <laughs> Cause I thought, you know, like I was used to waking up and dealing with a hundred million dollars, um, to trade with every morning. Like it was just so surreal. And now all of a sudden I'm like, well, gosh, a gi is $4 each. Um, do I have to buy, do I really have to buy 12 of them? You know, it was, it was interesting, but again, we made all the mistakes we could possibly make. And then, uh, I think I did what everybody else knows they're supposed to do. Um, but I actually did it and I went and found help 
I found, uh, I found people who had done what I wanted to do successfully. I hired them. I learned from them and I did exactly what they told me to do. And we grew the school, um, to a point, I should say we -hmm. grew it where it was paying the bills. It wasn't exploding. Um, and one of the things we realized was, you know, I was under, under leveraging a huge asset and that was my wife. Um, she had looked at all the personal development stuff out there and said, eh, it's okay. It's, it's not up to date. It feels like it was made in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing's really as appropriate or as easy to do. So she kind of went into a deep dive. Luckily she was, uh, she was the, the Elliot Pearson school for child development at Tufts university. So she had the best resources in the world as far as child development was concerned, tapped into all of that. Um, and then started to build out what would soon become the powerful word system. Um, we wound up changing what we marketed and the messaging we put out into the world. And instead of just getting, you know, the super talented, already popular kids, we got everybody because all of a sudden the market became aware that we weren't just teaching martial arts, we truly were changing lives and, and we showed how we did it. Um, so that was kind of a long about way of letting you know, you know, we, we blew the school up. It grew nicely and nicely and nicely to the point where we said, huh, this, this powerful words thing is, is, is really interesting. Uh, my head instructor at the time wound up moving to Seattle and he asked, Hey, can I take this powerful words thing with me? Yeah, Sure. He opened a school, then another school, and another school. And he's like, this is a slam dunk out here. So after being hit in the head about 4,000 times, I was like, oh, well, maybe there's a market for this. So sold that, um, made it available. Um, Powerful Words really exploded. And um, as that was going, I started to step myself out of the school. Uh, For the last two years, I was basically an absent owner. I was there 5 to 10 a.m. in the morning but I wasn't there during operating hours. And because I had all that extra time, I wound up really diving into growing the powerful words business in the martial arts world. And what had happened from there was we wound up um, all of a sudden on our client list, starting to see people from the gymnastics space, from the dance space, from the cheer space, from the swim space. And uh, lo and behold, I started learning about other verticals and diving in deep with each of them and it's been gosh about 17 years now so um that's the that's the cliff notes version (laughs) yeah so so what year was it when you opened up your school so gosh we opened up i was running a club school in 93 Uh um i opened up full-time in 99 gotcha Nice. And, uh, and then I sold that school in 07. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think back to, you know, my time, I, I started training when I was super little, I think I was two years old and uh, I had two older brothers that, that were training as well. So, uh, my, my karate instructor just said, you know, might as well join, have me join, even though I was just barely walking and talking and everything. But, um, you know, the, the idea of having a system in place, you know, specifically built for child development, obviously was something that didn't exist back then, you know? So, I mean, it sounds like you guys were kind of the first to really see that opportunity because everyone knew that, you know, martial arts did all these great things for you, but to really, you know, put it into a system to have, you know, uh, proof, you know, that, that the martial arts and what you guys are teaching is, um, resulting in in this great development. I mean, it seems like you guys were really the the leaders there. Well, you know what, there, there were some, there were some fabulous schools that we looked to model um, that really understood the importance of personal development. Mm -hmm. I'd love to say we were the first, but you know, I I modeled our, our, our our curriculum as far as um, having a retention based school off of really some amazing school owners who are already out there. Um, the difference was we really focused um, on making sure that the character education side 
was first and foremost yeah. in the messaging, as well as um, because we actually had, you know, a legitimate um, child development specialist on site. Yeah, uh, we had something nobody else had. I mean, unless you're going to go through and you know now go and spend seven years getting your PhD and all the studies and all of the trials and tribulations that go with it, it it's kind of an, an unfair playing field. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think um, it really kind of changed how I viewed what it was we were doing. Um, originally, like when I opened that school, I believed I was there to teach martial arts. Right. Um, and, you know, eventually we learned that, no, actually, we're here to teach people. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's that's obviously super, super powerful. And, you know, as I get my as I get introduced to these other uh, industries that kind of fall within that umbrella of, you know, after school uh, activities or child activity centers, um, you know, I'm starting to realize that all of them have the same goal. And it really comes back to that child development or people development in general. It's just the vehicle is a little bit different, right? So for us, you know, maybe it's martial arts for other facilities, there's obviously gymnastics and swim and cheer, like you were talking about. And, um, you know, just understanding though, that, that they all share that same core, uh, you know, why, and it's really to develop their students into better versions of themselves, essentially. I like, I like how you said that. And like, even on that, when I think about, um, just how passionate, you know, all my clients are about the thing and the thing being the martial arts, the MMA, the, the jujitsu, the, the dance, the, the gymnastics, they're all passionate in their own way. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you really dial down to what it is they love, everyone says the same thing. I, I just love working with the kids. I just love working with the students. I just love working with the athletes. Yep. So it, it really transcends the, what the physical motion is and turns it into, well, gosh, um, how do we make people better? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, so powerful words. I mean, you know, we've been going to the super show since 2016, which, you know, seems like it was just yesterday, but, uh, I was, I was watching some movie yesterday on Netflix and I, you know, right before I hit play, I saw the date on it and it said that it was created in 2007. And this is a movie that, you know, I, I like and have watched a bunch of times, but just to think that movie came out, uh, 14 years ago, just kind of blew my mind. But, you know, we've been going to the super show since 2016, which, you know, now is, is five years ago, but every time we go, we, we see you guys there, either you or your wife, you know, is, is speaking at the event. So powerful words is obviously, um, you know, something that's highly successful, uh, with a lot of martial arts schools and obviously other, um, you know, facilities using it. Uh, but I'd love to learn more about the program and for those that are listening. So that way they can learn a little bit more about it as well. I guess what, what exactly is powerful words and what makes it unique? <clears throat> compared to other, um, you know, child development, uh, systems that are out there. Great question. Great question. So, I mean, what powerful words is, um, was really our answer, our solution for developing the character, um, that we, we believed a black belt should have. Right. So when we went back, we, we always worked backwards on everything, be it curriculum or anything. But when I looked at what would um, a black belt, what, what would a black belt act like, behave like, what kind of skill sets, uh, what kind of mindsets would they have? We started talking about that. And, and, and most of the descriptors were character-based words, right? Is it somebody with empathy? Is it somebody with leadership? Is it somebody with um, persistence, with perseverance, with respect, with self-respect? So what we found was we had to figure out a way to actually teach the lessons because let's face it right if you want to learn how to code you basically have a coding curriculum if you want to learn french you get a french curriculum if you want to learn jujitsu you get a jujitsu curriculum if you want to teach character you get a character curriculum and what we found initially was a funny story i came home one night i owned the school and we had this conversation about really making it a more holistic center and really focusing on the character education side of things. So I went through and I bought everything that I could possibly find on the market. Like you name it. I think I spent about 6,800 bucks. 
Um, I had everything, everything was in boxes. Um, and I went to go teach and I had said to my wife, I'm like, listen, here's what I bought. Take a look, see if anything makes sense. If we like it, keep it. If we don't, we'll send it back. And I was thinking, okay, so we're going to get rid of most of this stuff and I'm going to have the one thing that she likes and, and, and I can be done with this. So I get home, uh, almost had a coronary because all over the dining room table, she had, um, she had chopped up pieces of each different program and was reorganizing it. And she's like, what I realized was that none of them were complete. None of them were comprehensive. None of them were really appropriate um, for the, the containers that we have, i.e. a 45-minute class, a 30-minute class. Um, they're just not appropriate and they're, they're not effective or as effective as they could be. So I've kind of reordered, but there's still some gaping holes here. So I think I just like to create my own. I'm like, well, so much for returning all this stuff. Um, but it was a really great experience because we did see what was out there. And, and at the time, most of what was being provided um, to anybody, not just the martial arts world, but to anybody was stuff that was really created for an eight-hour classroom. Mm-hmm. So as a martial arts school, as a gymnastics club, as a dance studio, like you have three to five minutes to actually have some pretty focused character education um, conversation time as a group, obviously one-on-ones little, little mat chats. You can, you can always add that in. You can use it as for, for correction, for um, redirection. But what we found was we needed all the components to be done quickly and easily without any of the necessary or any of what most people believe to be like martial artsy things. Mm-hmm. And because um, Dr. Robin was coming from the educational side of things, it wasn't religious based. It wasn't um, culturally based. Right. Cause where we were, I was in uh, I was in South Weymouth, Massachusetts, um, you know, with a teeny, 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 tiny Asian population. And I had people say, well, this isn't going to like make my child um, oriental. I'm like, you, sorry, you can't even say that. Um, <laughs> but again, that was, that was really where we were. I'm like, this is everything we're doing here is, is educationally based. Uh-huh. So it didn't. And, and I think that's why the appeal had grown so much to the other verticals because it wasn't, Oh, we're talking about karate. We're talking about black belt stuff. We're talking, no, we're, we're talking about, developing a powerful character. Yeah. Um, so again, our, what, what she wound up building was obviously our power chats, which are our, our version of Matt chats, which were built out with, you know, the right ratio of open-ended to close-ended questions. You know, like I'd never really heard that discussed before. There were also different definitions of words. There was letters to the parents. There was, there were projects that were age appropriate. Most of what we'd seen before you were giving the same project to a 14-year-old that you would to a four-year-old. Hmm. And as we all know as educators, you're going to lose the four-year-old and bore the 14-year-old. You can't do that. So, you know, again, we, we put all those pieces together. Um, and then something terrible happened. And um, Dr. Robin wound up with um, getting really, really sick. You know, and it was just one of those things where she didn't get out of bed for two weeks. Uh-huh. And I did. I, I, I was like, no problem. I can handle that because, you know, I'm a martial arts instructor. I know everything. I could do brain surgery. I could teach <laughs> boxing, you know, whatever. Um, but instead, you know, I did. I, I reverted back to what I, I see so many instructors do. And I call it the two-step teaching system. You take two steps out onto the mat and go, okay, I think I'm going to teach this. All right? No system. It yeah. wasn't consistent. It wasn't clear there was no purpose and it floundered so again she went back to the drawing board and was like okay so this has to be scripted and done so that it's so idiot proof that i could pull a parent off the parents viewing area and say hey i'm backlogged can you run this power chat for me um and that became the staple for our leadership team Hmm. So we use something that they're already familiar and comfortable with 
to teach other skill, right? It was just relational learning. Sure. Um, so whether they were working on public speaking or speaking, you know, to peers or speaking to subordinates or whatever, now they were doing that, but using the vehicle of the powerful word system. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense because obviously, uh, a lot of martial arts schools, they, they build up these, these leadership teams or they rely on their junior instructors to, to help with, you know, certain things. So, uh, you know, to not have to spend that time specifically training them on exactly what to say and to have a system that already has it done and, and, you know, is obviously going to be impactful and, um, you know, make a big change and, 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 uh, just overall be a success. I mean, that seems like a, a no brainer for uh, a lot of the instructors. It, it really is. And, and quite honestly, the, the big issue was consistency across classes. Mm-hmm. What I wanted to make sure of is the kid who came in on Tuesday at four got as awesome an experience as the kid who came in at Friday at six. Yeah. Right. And because it was now scripted, because we, you know, we actually had benchmarks for those power chats because we knew, you know, at the end of the month, what the information was they had covered, we knew we had a way better chance of actually giving them a clear understanding um, and a full out picture of what that particular powerful word is and how it makes them a better person. Yeah. And I think that extends obviously to, um, you know, attendance as well, because we've all seen when, you know, the head instructor isn't there and someone else is teaching, you know, if they're out at a business seminar for a week or something like that, uh, all of a sudden attendance drops a bunch. So, you know, to be able to, uh, serve at the same level, regardless of who's teaching and, uh, you know, something I want to get into is your experience with Emith, which is, you know, a wonderful book that, uh, teaches, this specifically is, you know, you, you, you gotta be able to continue on, you know, if that main person isn't there. So it seems like this is just a, a great tool to help with that as well. It is. And, and to be honest, the first person who reviewed powerful words before we made it available for sale, mm-hmm. um, was Michael Gerber. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I, again, I was in Denver airport, um, and my phone rang and was interesting because it was the first um, six numbers of the Emith International Office, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I, I figured it was my my Emith coach calling, mm-hmm. um, and I pick up the phone and I, I hear this voice. I'm like, no, 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 no. He's like, hey, um, it's Michael Gerber, and I'm sitting here with your your powerful words curriculum, and I'm like. I need to sit down. <laughs> I really need to sit down here. Um, but I'll tell you, he's like, um, he's like, there are a couple swings and misses and there are a couple of home runs. So yeah, it, um, he, his view, his vantage point was that um, this particular system would allow owners the ability and freedom mm-hmm. um, to step off the floor in their entirety, because in his belief, you could actually teach junior instructors the physical martial arts dramatically easier yep. than the personal development curriculum. For sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That uh, <laughs> time spent with Emith was, um, and that was a four and a half year coaching program I did with them. Yeah. That was life changing. No, I'd love to dive into that a little bit more just because, you know, for me, you know, starting my business, that was like the one book that everyone kind of recommended, right? Because, you know, being able to build up a business uh, that you're able to, you know, create systems around and, and be able to uh, be able to step away and do those things is, is always kind of been the goal for me. And a lot of times what we see, especially with, uh, you know, martial arts schools is, you know, essentially they're creating a job for themselves rather than creating a business, you know, that works for them. And, and that's obviously not the ideal scenario, you know, where you're forced to do certain things in your business rather than just creating systems and, and being able to scale that way. So, you know, when I was doing my research and I came across that you did that four-year program with, um, you know, with, with Michael and, and Emith, I mean, I just love to, to learn a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it was interesting. So I, I was in Boston at the time and I was leaving to, I think it was either the first or the second super show. 
Okay. Um, I don't remember which one it was. I I think I've been at every one. Um, but I'm in Logan airport and I saw the e-myth on one of the, uh, one of the bookshelves. I'm like, yeah, I should read this. (laughs) Um, whatever this new book is, uh, I I should read this. So I grabbed it and I sat down on the plane it's a five and a half hour flight, five and change to, uh, to, to Las Vegas. Um, I'm going to date myself here. Right. So I read the whole book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got off the plane and I looked for a payphone so that I could call the number in the back of the book. I was so upset and bothered by what I read. <laughs> I felt so spoken to in the book that I called and I said, I don't know what you're selling, but I'll buy it. <laughs> and they were like, well, sir, you know, it just so happens that we have a teleseminar um, tomorrow night at 8 PM. If you'd like to, you know, for their whole discovery process, uh-huh. they told me I could get on a, um, it was a, gosh, it was three weeks a month, three, three weeks per month. I had, I'd had a, um, a one-on-one call or I'm sorry, a group call with my coach. Mm-hmm. Um, started out to be a hundred and some odd people in my group. I think I was the one person who graduated. I was just wow. too lazy or too lazy. I was too stubborn to quit. <laughs> um, but it was such an amazing process. Like I wound up systematizing my school in five days. I would never suggest that to anybody. Um, I had a film crew follow me around at every system. We actually took the um, videos. We sent them to a transcriptionist. We had them transcribed. We took the transcriptions, sent them to a graphic designer, and we built out each of our uh, user manuals for each of the positions. It was uh, it was a mistake because within five days, I all I did was document all the positions, and half of them were broken. So. Um, that being said, it gave us a great structure from which to uh, to build out all the rest of our systems. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. I mean, the, the the good point is that you figured out those systems, you know, weren't working, which is kind of step one, right? Because uh, when you're going through the motions, you don't take the time to really dissect what you're doing. You know, you can continue on those motions forever, and until you actually take a step back, document it see how it works and then you can see the shortcomings of it you know that's when you start to really grow as a business oh absolutely it also i will say so the experience in and of itself kind of ruined me for everything else because every other business i've created since then we've built um as franchise prototype model yeah so you know all of a sudden it's like all right there's, there's, i'm not really in it much you know yeah. i built it and started as a visionary you know, was the manager, was also the technician until I could get rid of the the top two jobs. And then, okay, well, how do I, how do I make it grow outside of me? Yeah. Which I wish, you know, again, and I still think, I feel like um, E-Myth is a, um, it's a timeless book. I think everybody should read it quarterly yep. um, just to give themselves a reality slap. Um, all the other books were okay, but E-Myth Revisited is the one. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely had that impact on me. And I think I'm, uh, I'm up to reread it again, just cause it's been a couple of years for me since I read it the first time. So definitely need to, to revisit that. But uh, I just know the immediate impact that it had on my business and just knowing, you know, I, I love to take my two week trips to Okinawa every year and, and do my training. And, uh, you know, I talked about this in a previous podcast episode, but I, I remember one, I think it was my second trip there. It's when I first started Market Muscles, but my second trip to Okinawa, uh, I got a call around 3 a.m. Okinawa time, which was like 4 p.m. in New York, I think. And, um, you know, woken out of my sleep to, to answer a support phone call or to, to help with something. And I just remember thinking, okay, this is not <laughs> how I want to spend my my trip in Okinawa is, is, you know, constantly doing work or being pulled back. So uh, being able to, read that book and apply it to my business. I mean, it's, it's game changing for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, I'm guessing, you know, uh, that everything that you learned through that program is stuff that you implement into your consulting and and your, uh, you know, helping and teaching with these facilities. Is that right? 
Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. We had originally, uh, when, when we started the consulting side, um, the biggest thing that people wanted was, oh, you know, I don't know how to market. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to right. do that. Um, I feel like that is a, um, a symptom yep. as opposed to the key problem, right? The key problem is, is, is a lack of lead generation systems, right? Yep. It's a lack of understanding who the actual marketplace is. It's a lack of understanding on what your core messaging is. So um, within most of my consulting groups, we tend to focus on how to develop initially the core foundational systems in a business uh, that every business truly needs. And I don't care if you're selling chocolate or martial arts, um, there are core foundational systems in each of the disciplines, right? And by that, I mean um, leadership, marketing, money, management, lead gen, lead conversion, and client fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Once you've got those core foundational systems built, then it's a matter of optimizing each of the different disciplines that you need at the time because you don't need all seven at the time. You just don't. Usually it's, okay, I got to address my money systems right now. Okay, then event, I got to address my lead gen systems. Or for some reason, lead gen is great, but my conversion systems are in the toilet. Mm -hmm. Or my con we're converting like a, like a mofo, but you know, our retention is terrible. So our client fulfillment is off. So it's really a matter of, it's, it's somewhat liquid, especially with my, with my uh, system success mastermind group. Those are the folks who they've got their core, but now it's like, okay, Hey, well, this is going and this is going and this is going, how do we fix that? And the next thing in the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. I know just, you know, attending conferences and, and going through certain coaching uh, groups, you get to a point where if you can just pick up on just one small little nugget of wisdom that, you know, can help with one certain aspect of your business. It makes all the difference just having, you know, those core things in place, but then, in, you know, uh, deploying this one little strategy ends up making just uh, so much of a difference. So uh, it sounds like your, your group is kind of in that, that zone right now. Well, yeah. I mean, so Dan Kennedy, who I worked with for, for a bunch of years as well, always said that, you know, you've got, big doors and you've got the tiny hinges that swing those big doors. So I think when, when people start, when I start to work with owners, they initially want the big doors. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you know, that might be like, what's a pricing system or what's a marketing system or what, like just things that they just don't have. Sure. After they have that, I'm like, stop looking for that. Cause I, originally I, I had some clients who were like, well, you know, we did all this or are we done? I'm like, well, you tell me. However, understand you've got the big doors. Now we want to work on those teeny tiny hinges. So you're making small changes that yield enormous results. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's funny as business owners go from, you know, infancy into adolescence, into maturity, you know, you stop looking for the big doors. Yeah. Because if you're looking for big doors all the time, you miss those tiny hinges um, that are just so, so important. Um, they're easy to implement. They're usually kind of scary, but they're easy to implement. Um, and they just make a world of difference. Like again, with the people in the, in the beginning programs that I offer, like I offer something called art of business transformation, which is really that core foundational systems and helping people set those up. Those are big doors. Yeah. The people in mastermind should have all those big doors done. Right. But like I recently had a couple people who were like, okay, so they're in mastermind. They've now worked themselves off the floor, off the schedule, out the door. And now they're looking at going, okay, so what do I do now? Hmm. Well, I'm like, okay, so we go back to our core foundational systems, one of them being their primary aim, and say, all right, let's go back to that primary aim and look at your primary objectives. Are you meeting them? You know, if one of your objectives was, you know, it's all about helping more people. Well, have you considered, you know, doing some form of benefit or a charity or something that really speaks to your heart or speaks to your passion? Because now you're actually allowing and you're permitting the business to serve your life, not just give you a job. Yeah. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty powerful. I think, you know, documenting that understanding your core why is so important because it, I mean, there's always something to do. And like, even when I, I think about my business and uh, you know, what we're doing, uh, I guess, internally to, to kind of, I guess, channel our why. One thing that we've done is um, really looking at our employees and figuring out, okay, how do we help them progress, right? It's it's no longer just about uh, us uh, or, you know, the owners and, you know, making our lives better and then our clients' lives better. It's also about the people who work with us. So, you know, how do we make sure that they're earning more money? How do we uh, deploy more benefits? How do we give them more education? How do we you know, dissect their goals and help them meet their goals. So I think there's always, there's, there's always something to do. That's for sure. Well, there is. And remember, like, I, I believe our employees are our first client. Yeah. So if that's the case and we truly believe that we're in a life changing industry and that doesn't just have to be working with kids, right? Sure. Um, if we're in a life changing industry, well, shouldn't we be leading by example? Shouldn't we be helping our first client to, you know, achieve clarity in their own goals to, you know, understand that they're not going to be 18 forever. We got to start looking at retirement. We have like, what are the things you can do to really set them up? Like, is there an education component to your management style outside of the job? So, I mean, that's a, that's a biggie. And I'm I'm thrilled to hear that that's what you're doing with your peeps. Cause again, they'll, they'll remember that for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not that I expect them to stay, you know, with my company forever, but that's, that's the goal. You know, I I never want to lose a a good employee, especially if it's over something silly like money or or something like that, where, you know, I, I know for a lot of people, that's not the reason why they stay or leave a job, but uh, just for me, I mean, you know, and anything that we can do internally to to keep them for as long as possible. I mean, that's that's our goal. It, it costs a lot of money. It takes a lot of effort to onboard new staff, and um, you know, once we bring people on board, we really look at them, you know, as as cheesy as it sounds, you know, kind of like family. So it's uh, that's that's always a big push for us. Well, that's what you want. I mean, <laughs> you're spending most people spend more time with people they work with than people they live with. Yeah. yeah. So Very you true. really do want to make it a benefit of them and, and and something where they enjoy and know that every hour they spend with Steven enriches their life. Sure. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Cool. Um, yeah. So, you, you know, obviously we connected over social media and one of the things that we connected over was a very similar journey that we're both on right now when it comes to our own personal development. Um, and I would love to kind of talk to you about that. Um, and maybe you can share, you know, with our listeners kind of what you're going through right now and, and, uh, and yeah, just, just kind of learn more about that. Sure, sure, sure. So gosh, um, COVID sucks. <laughs> True. Right? Let, me, let me just say that. And um, I think being stuck in the house with, I've got a 10 and almost 12 year old um, doing this virtual school thing, which um, if I was a drinker uh, would probably have had me crawl into a bottle. Um, but what I've realized is just sitting at home allowed me to snack dramatically more than I ever would have. Yep. Um and I've been more sedentary, yep. which I hate. Um, and it was one of those things that I won't say this is new year, new, new me, because that's just, I don't, I don't believe in resolutions. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I looked in maybe the beginning of December and just said, I am not happy. I, I, I was an athlete my entire life. I'm not happy with how I feel, with how I look. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just not okay anymore. So like anything else, I reached out, I figured out who was doing what, um, how, who was finding the results that I wanted. I kind of grabbed hold of them and said, whatever you're doing, I want to do it, but I need to see the steps. Um, and I, uh, I did, um, I I started out at 200.8 pounds, which, um, I know is not a ton, but for me, it was. And I said, I, my last time I stepped into the ring, I was at 176. So I said, that's my goal weight. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, in two weeks, I'm down to 186. Wow. Um, yeah. And again, it was, it wasn't that I'm like, oh gosh, the number on the scale is that important, but I'm a metrics nut. So, you know, it definitely allowed me to keep score. Yep. Um, and again, so I, I, we, uh, we relocated to North Carolina, my family and I, okay. um, at the end of October, um, joined a gym that was down here cause I was so excited that things were open after being in New Jersey. Yeah. And during my two week trial, I, along with like 40 other people in our neighborhood caught COVID. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was kind of like the extra bonus to my, um, <laughs> trial. and again, I, I don't blame the gym. Like this, this is, we were all adults. We knew what we were getting into. Sure. Um, luckily knock on wood a million times. I got the very light version of it. Okay. Um, so, but I, I got stuck, you know, in our guest suite for two weeks. Uh-huh. Um, and all I could do is like eat and play with the computer. So, <laughs> you know, it, it just hit me that like, okay, so now I don't get to go to the gym. I bought a Peloton before we moved. And I'm like, I really got to get on that bike. Um, and pretty much as I told you today, every day I get on and I'm like, man, I hate doing this. <laughs> um, but like anything else, I'm like, I got on, I'm going to do it and then I'm going to get it off. So that's, that's really, you know, I do it more out of the discipline than like this wonderful passion I have for riding a bike that doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, um, I will say, like everything else, as far as character is concerned, it's, it's doing the hard thing. It's doing the thing that you don't want to do. It's doing the thing that is boring. It's, it's all those things leads up to success. Yeah. And, you know, it was cool. I, I you know, I reached out to you on this cause I saw like in your stories, I'm like, okay, I, he's, he's on that stupid bike too. <laughs> okay. So he must be just as miserable as I am here. Great. Um, and you know, it's, you're, you're, you're doing your own journey. You've, you've made some amazing strides yourself. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yeah. The, the Peloton, I mean, I, I was the same way I bought it back in July and it was the same reason uh, as you're saying, and I bet a lot of people listening feel the same as well. You know, like you said, COVID sucks, uh, for, for more reasons than just one, but you know, I, I back in February, I started getting going down that path of just eating way more than I should. And, you know, not, not going to the dojo anymore and not, not really working out. And, you know, I, I bought it in July and I was super excited about it. And for whatever reason, it just didn't click the first time or I just wasn't ready yet, I guess, you know, I wasn't mentally there and, uh, you know, time went through, I went through a move also and, in, in uh, towards the end of July. And, um, you know, once we settled in our new house and, I kind of had that same thing where I looked in the mirror and I just wasn't happy with what I was seeing or how I was feeling. I mean, same thing. I remember laying in bed uh, one night and I was just like, this feels weird. Like this doesn't feel right the way that <laughs> like my body felt as I was laying in bed. So I was just like, all right, it's time to make a change. So, um, you know, went down a, a similar diet path and uh, hopped on the bike and you know, at this point it's, it's kind of addicting because they add in all those little like achievements and you've got your streak and you know, you've got all these other reasons other than just straight willpower to get on it, which is great for me at least because, uh, you know, just like you said, it kind of sucks when you first hop on, but, uh, you know, once you end your ride and you see all your stats and how you matched up with other people and your achievements that you get, then it's, it's kind of cool. And you're proud of yourself and you feel like, okay, maybe that 30 or 45 minutes wasn't, wasn't too bad. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely rewarding. And I think, um, for me, I mean, I, I agree with you in terms of like resolutions, you know, not believing in it, you know, goals in general, I mean, it's good to have goals, but if you don't have action steps to, to meet those goals, then goals are just a fantasy in general. So, you know, I really believe more in, in action steps and committing to those rather than the goals themselves. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just been, it's been fun to watch your journey and uh, just in general, just to see the martial arts industry, uh, just because that's the predominant industry that I, I work in, you know, on that same sort of eating, eating pattern and just seeing the results that are coming out of it. It's, it's just, it's great to see. Well, and I think again, if, if, if we're going to be the kind of people who are helping people change their lives, yep. 
Um, I think we actually have to be a walking, talking billboard of that ourselves. Sure. Yeah. Right. Cause you know, you know, it's almost, um, it's almost cliche to say, Oh, how you do anything is how you do everything. But is it, Yeah. you know, I, th- I think it really, it hammers home, you know, the importance of when you care enough about yourself, you know, you also care enough about others. Sure. So I think that's a, um, I think it's a big deal. And I think it's a, uh, I think it's exciting. You know, I think that the way, um, the way it's going, I'd I'd love to see more people healthier. I'd love to see more people feel good about themselves. You know, that self-esteem, I think um, there's so many folks suffering right now with anxiety, with all sorts of other issues from this disaster of a year that, you know, if we can take a moment and spend time feeling healthy, doing something for ourselves and, you know, maybe it sparks us to take other action that could be good for everybody. Absolutely. So have you stepped into the realm of, of coaching others with their, their fitness journey or, or I have, I have just a couple. Um, I have a couple Mm -hmm. folks, a couple of friends who had reached out. It was interesting. Um, people had said, you know, I've seen the, the pictures of your scales, um, or God, your face looks different. And what are you doing? And, you know, like, and I, I've, I've taken the time to go through with them, shared what I'm doing. And, and, and I've helped a couple already, like a couple friends from high school that had reached out, um, that are finishing up their first week. And they're like, I can't believe how easy this was. And I can't believe like, it's actually working science. <laughs> you know, it's really is math, uh, really is science. And again, it's, you know, you said, you said something about willpower before, um, you know, and I'd heard recently that, you know, why power is probably more important than willpower. Yeah. And I agree with that. Like I look down and say, well, gosh, I have a 10 and a 12 year old. I want to be, I I don't want to be that like old crotchety father that like can't do anything. I just don't, it's never been me and I don't want it to start being me. So when I look at, all right, so can I go and, and play with my kids, you know, for a real long time and be healthy and be here? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's my why. I also, you know, I was lucky enough to, uh, to marry my very best friend in the world. So like, I look at it like there just isn't enough time. So like, I'd like to make sure that there's more time. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good point. Um, yeah. I mean, when you put it that way regarding time, I mean, we're all fighting for, for time with our business and, and being able to step away and spend time with our family, but for not taking care of ourselves, we're automatically shaving off how many, you know, who knows how many years essentially. So yeah, that's, that's, that's some powerful stuff right there. I mean, and to make a couple of, um, to make a couple of positive changes and, 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 improve upon your own habits. I mean, it's such a no brainer. Sure. Yeah. Well, cool. I appreciate you sharing that. I know that's a a personal journey for you. And I know that I'm sure that'll inspire a lot of the people that are listening. Um, But I want to wrap this up with uh, a question for you. And uh, I I asked this to all the guests, but if you had one book to recommend, I'm going to say it can't be E-Myth because we already (laughs) talked about that one. But if you had one book that you can recommend to the listeners, which one would that be and why? Gosh, if it's not Emeth, um, I guess I'd probably have to say for me, the biggest book that was life changing outside of that was um, Gay Hendrix's uh, The Big Leap. Mm-hmm. That um, it was interesting. I had him on my show and you know, the time I spent before and after the interview with him was, was amazing. Um, it really changed how I looked at things, mm-hmm. um, both in, you know, who I was and what I wanted. Um, and there was such a distinct help in understanding, you know, why things weren't getting done. Right. His, he uses a concept called, um, ULP, right. It's an upper limit problem, right? It's, it's basically 
hey, things are going great with your girlfriend and you've never really had a long-term girlfriend, so you decide to do something to screw it up. So again, you don't have a long-term girlfriend. All right, we do this in our business. You're used to earning 10 grand a month, 20 grand, 50, 70 grand a month, whatever it is. Um, the minute you go over that, you screw it up so that you're not out of your comfort zone. Hmm. And the whole theory of the upper limit problem was eye-opening for me at best, especially when I went back through my own life and said, yep, there's an ulp, there's an ulp, there's an ulp, did that too, yep, there's an ulp. Um, and realized that most of our failures or most of our quote-unquote tragedies are caused by ourselves. Yeah, wow. And you said that was called the big leap, right? The big leap, Dr. Gay Hendricks, H-E-N-D-R-I-C-K-S. Got it. Okay. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a short read, um, but man, and the last chapter is a little bit weird, but um, <laughs> outside of that, I, I thought that, um, I mean, it, it's, it's on my playlist for every, every quarter. Okay. Um, it's, it's important. Um, once you go through the upper limit problem exercise, you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to, to check that one out. I've, I've never read it. And that sounds like something that I could definitely benefit from. So. You'll love it. It's a, uh, I, I think it's, it's a book. The smarter you are, the more powerful this book is. Got it. Uh, I think you'll do really, really well with it. Um, just judging from your questions, like this will, this will be right in tune with you. Perfect. No, I appreciate that. Cool. And I guess for the listeners, you know, what is the best way for, for them to contact you, whether it's for powerful words or I know you host a podcast as well. What, what's the best way for them to reach out? Best way to reach me, I mean, you can go to um, www.jasonmsilverman.com or go to powerfulwords.com or find me on any of the social channels. Uh, usually Facebook is the best um, and reach out. It's it's all me. I do not, I used to outsource some of that. Um, that did not go so well. So that is all me and I'm more than happy to uh, to help in any possible way that I can. Perfect. Well, listen, Jason, I really appreciate taking the time hopping on the show. Um, and, uh, you know, for any of you out there that, that have any questions about his, uh, Jason's programs or, or anything that he does, please reach out. But again, thanks again, Jason. Pleasure and honor was mine, sir. If you enjoyed this episode and would like more information, insights and strategies on how you can grow your company, visit us at marketmuscles.com.